Hello listeners, welcome to another episode of Wear Many Hats. We're here for episode 26 today. Another interesting one as well. We've got something very different for you. We're so good to you. We are so good to our listeners. We're going to be delving into the built environment today a little bit with somebody um, who is the Managing Director of RS Elite Consulting Limited. This individual is also a liveryman and committee member for the Worshipful Company of Constructors. Um, she has over 20 years experience supporting the facilities management world um, in various incarnations. I'd love to welcome you all to Rianne Scott. Hello, Rianne. Good evening. How was the intro? It was brilliant. Did I get it right? Perfect. I got it right? Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> I usually get something wrong, like a name or something like that. I was waiting for you to say Worship Company of Environmental Cleaners or something, yeah. but you didn't know you went uh, constructors. Well this done. is why I write things down now, <laughs> Rianne. Yeah, this is why I write things down. Okay, should we get straight into it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Crack on, yeah. Okay, so tell us a little bit about your career journey. Tell us a little bit about how your career started and how it's evolved over the the last years. Okay, uh, so where do I start where I came into the kind of built environment FM world? Um, so that kind of started probably 21 years ago um, right. when... I was on holiday in Turkey, actually, with a with a best friend of mine really? at the time. Yep. I don't think anybody's um, career started in Turkey so far on the yeah, podcast. Well, there so you go. Good. So you like to be unique. <laughs> um, so we, uh, so yeah, I was on holiday in Turkey. I'm originally from Grimsby, um, and me and my best friend was on holiday. We got to Yorkshire, by the way. Yeah, Let's yeah, put it yeah. out there. Yeah. Lincolnshire, technically, but anywhere. Else. But it's on the border. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take <laughs> it's it. Northern, it's I'm northern. I'm taking it's northern, isn't it? Northern, yeah. yeah. It's past the Watford Gap. There you go. Um, and and so we met a couple of guys on holiday and we ended up um, kind of getting together um, and we ended up moving um, both me and my friend um, to live with with um, moving away from Grimsby and moving down to Northamptonshire. Um, so um, without being too personal, are we talking a holiday romance there? Yeah, but really? it, yeah, it was a bit right. of a holiday romance. Yeah, okay. and. Um, so we did, um, and then I ended up um, staying with the, the chap that I was with, and I went to work for an asbestos company. Right. So I'd always, I'd left school, I'd gone to work, and um, I wanted to do kind of like an MVQ or yeah. something, an apprenticeship or something like that. I didn't want to kind of go to university, although... Yeah, yeah. Um, my, get straight into that work. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, li I live with my, with my nan and granddad because um, um, my mum passed when I was 14 and so right. I was kind of with my nan and granddad and they were like oh you need to go to university because that was the kind of given thing that, that needed thing. to be done yeah, and, yeah, yeah. but I was very I, I just didn't I just wanted to get straight on in there and just kind of like start earning my own money it wasn't yeah. about the money necessarily it was just about I didn't want to I wasn't very academic yeah um so I just kind of wanted to be a bit more hands-on I didn't want to sit in a classroom and do uh, my A-levels and um yeah. and do degrees and things like that so well, education is not for everybody you know no. you know I mean education is very much um you know round peg round hole isn't it I think sometimes and some people just aren't suited to I wasn't either I was the same I couldn't wait to leave to be no fair. no and it, it wasn't that I hated education or that I wasn't any good at it I wasn't I wasn't the A star student don't get me wrong but um it was very much that I, I just wanted to be a bit more hands-on so yeah. um 
I got uh, one of the old-fashioned apprenticeships, MVQ, level right. two, level three. Okay. Um, yeah. And went and worked for the council um, within their technical services department. So yeah. um, for for you and I, that's like the um, the street lights, the, the road linings, yeah. um, all of that type of um, things, the highways, all of that type of thing that was going on. And I, oh, wow. I, I got a fantastic kind of mentor, if you like, a lady that was working with me or that I was working for yeah. um, that kind of took me under a wing and was like, right, you need to go and do your RSA level one, level two, do you type an exam, do you shorthand? Oh, really? Do all of these kind of like secretar- old-fashioned secretarial courses. Yeah. Um, which I went and did. And how old were you then, Rihanna? I would have been 16. Wow. So, um, so that's really young, though, isn't it? Yeah. I so, mean, that is. So, yeah. So, I went and, and, and did those in the evening at school, um, like for college, and, and did uh, for people that might remember, like T line, yeah. um, shorthand, and um, all of that type of thing. So, we did. I did that and yeah. learned how to do um, all of the RSAs and things like that as do, well. Do you still remember how to do all that? I still touch type. Yeah, um, really? I don't know that I would remember how to do the um, the shorthand. Yeah. Um, but I worked for in progression of um, moving from technical highways departments, I went into work for social services. Oh, wow. Um, and I worked within the child um, protection industry. Wow. Um, so I used to take, like, minutes within the child protection cases and things like that. I so imagine was that was quite, tough, actually, yeah. Yeah, it was quite, it was quite in-depth, and it was, um, it was difficult to, to kind of sit yeah. there in a prof- from a professional capacity to then obviously have to deal and listen to some of that type of stuff. So, yeah. so I was taking like verbatim notes um, yeah. and things like that. And then and I was being went, very young listening to that as well. That must yeah, have been. Yeah, so quite... I probably would have been a, probably would have been about 18 at that point, but still wow. in, yeah. Yeah, in the still young. Things, yeah, still yeah, of course, a, yeah. a young, a young age. Um, and then kind of just progressed my way through the council really and becoming like kind of deputy PA for one of the heads of um, right. service um, within the childcare section. Yeah. Um, and so then... Would, would you say the council, working in the council from such a young age, give give you quite a quite a, a great education in terms of process and following process and doing things the right way and so on and so forth? Yeah, a thousand percent, because right. it was all very much policy, process, uh, policy, procedures, process, um, whereas... And there was no kind of, um, oh, we can kind of do it this way or kind of do it that way. It was yeah. very much there was a process for this and that's how you had to follow it. As down to what time you had your lunch. It was yeah. between 12 and 2. Yeah. How you filled your timesheets in, how you yeah. requested leave. So all of those kind of processes were there and they were regimented. Right. And that was that was my way of in, kind of... Um, like introduction to work in life, I suppose. So, so it gave so, you a really good grounding at a very young age. Yeah, I've never really thought about it like that, but yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. Because I think now, when you then go to some of the um, the kind of other sides of non, when you go into corporate side, yeah. Um, Every, or especially SMEs, yeah. everybody has their own way of doing things. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't put that holiday form in. Or, oh, yeah, no, oh, yeah. I didn't do that. Oh, I didn't do it. But when you're in the council and when from an early age, it was very much like this was how... But I never knew any other way. I never, yeah. 
never knew any never never knew any different. So for me, well, they're, was, they're, prob- they're, they're probably still skills that you use yeah. today that you don't realise you use. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Actually, now you've just said that because yeah. I, I say that about the navy. You know, mm. the, the navy taught me a lot of stuff. I don't realise I'm using it. But, but I do, like I stand up straight, for example, I've got good posture, yeah. big belly, but good posture, <laughs> you know, um, but I can't help but just, you know, because I'm yeah. just naturally like Or you that. just, oh, you find yourself correcting yourself yeah. in certain elements of yeah, 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 yeah. working diet or everyday life, really, oh, I suppose. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, so talk to us a little bit about the next step in your career then, obviously, when you moved down to Hertfordshire and you started to get involved in asbestos. Yeah, so, um, so 2003, I moved down to Northamptonshire. Um, and um, started working for an asbestos company yeah. um, as a admin manager, um, right. a client liaison, that yeah. type of thing, um, and just kind of like progressed throughout um, different roles within the business. Right. Um, and then um, I met um, my now then husband, um, right. and we kind of worked together within the same business. Yeah. Um, had two children um and in 2008 we decided that we would move away from that business um and we wanted to kind of set up by ourselves and that's brave yeah height the recession 2008 oh god yeah yeah, yeah. it was as well yeah yeah so um some stones we are now did you I mean, I'd, I'd like to say to I was that. involved in that conversation. We right. we'd had a we'd had a conversation, um, yeah. and then uh, he came home from work one day and said, "Oh, I've handed my notice in." Oh, I had, yeah, right. I had. Um, Frank, my eldest, was three months old at the time. I was on maternity leave, right. and they came over and have handed my notice in. I was like, "Okay, what are we going to do?" It was like, "We'll be fine." I was like, "Okay, I trust you," and I yeah. did, and I do, yeah. Um, yeah. and um, and so there we were, and we were kind of. We set up um, our own asbestos company. Yep. We, we vowed that we would um, kind of make it a success. We weren't going after any of our existing clients. We yep. vowed that we wanted to set it up as our own and yep. and, and, and make it our own. Uh, we had another person involved with us at the time. Um, and we wanted to make it a success based on our own merits, yep. not on the back of uh, somebody else's client list. No, that makes sense. Yeah, you wanted to do it yourself. You wanted to go out there and prove that. Yeah, and and that's what we wanted to do. And um, if we fast forwarded kind of 15 years later, I mean, we were, um, my ex-husband was um, uh, kind of, he had, he was an expert in asbestos, but Mm. he'd never run his own business before. I'd been in the council and then worked for asbestos for, what, six years. So I was like, yeah, 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 I was like, okay, we can make this work. Um, So we just went on from there and ended up, building the company, um, yeah. doing the asbestos surveys, the removal, the training. Yeah. Um, and and it is a very successful business, isn't it? Yeah. So you, yeah. you fast forward 15 years, uh, it's not been for one of um, kind of a few kind of nervous breakdowns and yeah. it, everyone thinks, oh, you set your own business up and it just goes like that and you choose your own holidays and yeah, yeah, yeah. you it's do what you like, like when that. you want and yeah, it's just yeah. not like that. And um, 27 hour days. And <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, we were like kind of, we did, we were HR, we were IT, we were... Yeah, you um, got to do a tea lady. Uh, yeah. Accounts, we were, yeah, doing the tea, we were doing the accounts, the marketing, we, it was everything. You yeah. you wear, like this podcast, you wear many hats, literally yeah. you wear many hats. Well, I mean, to be fair, that the podcast was set up for situations exactly like that, Yeah. to be fair, you know. So, so 
obviously you started the business and, you know, I, I imagine that was incredibly daunting. Do you remember your first customer? Yes. Where did that, I'm always, I'm a salesman, Rian, so where did that first customer come from? That first customer came from um, just building the website on WordPress, spending 18 hours a day learning from a dummy's WordPress thing. Really? And as type it or him kind of populating an enormous amount of um, content into WordPress as it was. Yeah. Um, and it was a very big client. It really? was a council right. that found us on Google. Yeah. Um, and I think back in the day we needed something like £10,000 a month to like kind of break even and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and pay because we had staff working for us by yeah, of course. Yeah. and um and things like that and uh, and it came through the website and it was a big one they ended up being a client of ours for probably i think they only moved um the last couple of years ago and that was really? only through like collaboration of them joining with another um right another council and stuff so it ended yeah, up yeah, going yeah. to a framework situation but yeah we had that client for 12 years i bet that felt really good it did and it was yeah. it was nice and it was nice to have that kind of those clients as being ours yeah. um and they were very much with um kind of like built those um those routes to market, if you like, and it was very much that we'd created those clients ourselves, and they yeah. were they're not off the back of anyone else or anybody that we knew. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so that was yeah our very first client was like I say was a was a big council, and they ended up being um onwards for yeah. twelve years. So. Really interesting, and, and obviously asbestos. I mean, asbestos is dangerous. You know, let's let's make yeah, no bones about yeah. it. It's a dangerous thing. Um, you know, the compliance associated with it, the processes that you would have had to follow. And also, you know, your teams on the ground would have to follow, um, you know, extensive. You know, mm. it kills people. Let's be honest. It's, that's the reality. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so, yeah. So, so I'm, what I'm trying to get to, I suppose, is there's quite a responsibility there in terms of, you know, making sure the process is right, making sure that everything's done properly. And, and I'm guessing that yourself and, and, and your husband, built all of that you know you put all of that in place would that be an accurate assessment yeah i mean we had a, an amazing team um with us through throughout the process um we've had people that have come and that have gone and who have supported us um through our elements of the way on on, on that journey um and but i mean ultimately we we were the driving force behind it we 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 had this kind of vision and this goal that we wanted to like kind of make the business successful and yep. um and give people like kind of security and jobs and we'd both worked in companies where they'd given you kind of um false promises and empty hopes and and things like that As we all and, have. yeah 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 and yeah, uh, uh, yeah and we wanted to kind of like try and bring people in and and invest in those people as well so it wasn't just about growing the business from a a company side or a um a client side it was more about kind of the the people that we had working for us and and that kind of culture and things like that as well and yeah. um it was that was quite Im well, it was very important to us yeah. um, th throughout that process. Right, okay. So, so, so talk to us a little bit about where you are now. Obviously, you know, I think you, how long were you associated with 
I mean, I know there's still an association, but yeah, it was about 15 um, years so or yeah, 15 years. So I've yeah. only recently kind of um, kind of moved outside of Oracle Asbestos. So I'm still got a retainment there. So I yeah. still do um, have. Uh, 21 years it's probably most of my working life oh, that's a lot of experience yeah Without so doubt, yeah. um so most of my working life was in the asbestos industry um mm. and then kind of july this year i decided um that i was going to kind of move on um from from that um separation and what have you and yep. we ended up it's all very amicable and yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're still working together, which is great. Fantastic. And we've got two boys together who are, are fantastic. Yeah. And we we still collaborate on a lots of different kind of fronts uh, with regards to the business. Um, yeah. But my kind of focus kind of moved towards um, connections, lead generation, yeah. business development, yeah. the networking. Yeah, which um, I know you're fantastic at. I, I, we'll touch I, on I, that. I, I, I don't, I think I do it with the odd event now and again, and One or might two. do a little bit on LinkedIn. Yeah, and... <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We can all learn but, something from your networking skills, Liam. But um, but yeah. So my kind of my path kind of take, took me on a, a bit of a different journey, and and that was where I kind of saw my kind of strengths, and I kind of thought, oh well, should I go and work for somebody doing business development? And then actually, I what I found was that I didn't want to be kind of tied to to one kind of industry or one kind of sector i wanted to kind of be able to connect you with them or him with her or do do you know what i mean i didn't want to be kind of kind of ring fenced to a certain kind of profession industry or sector yeah it was like okay well you're really good at that they're really good at that you should work together but together. actually you'd be really good working together but actually you're not going to get on so actually you need to speak to that person and that was where I was so you're of, quite good at that then yeah that, yeah because if I, I I go oh yeah 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 you guys would be fantastic doing all the the cleaning Scotty all of that for those people but if I know that you're gonna have a massive personality clash with that person yeah I'm gonna be like no, that's not going to work. See, that's a skill in itself, so though, isn't it? So I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to put you with them. I'm going to put you with them. Because yeah. you're going to benefit. You're going to benefit. You two are not going to benefit. And and that is where I've kind of like, kind of seen my kind of business developing and thinking. Your niche. Yeah. It's kind of where you're moving towards. Yeah. And that's, and so I've set up our SLE consulting, which will be freelance business development. Yeah. Um, And then kind of lead generation so there's different conversations to be had around different elements of what people think that looks like for them as an individual business yeah um and then i'm doing like the events management and the networking so the yes we can stuff that um derry long has kind yeah. of le- really um kind of took me on it taking me under his wing on doing um yeah. so doing the Yes, we can like MIPIM event, and then we've got the one at the end of September, right? Which we're kind of raising money for PAX One, which is right. a, a fantastic children's charity. Okay, uh, feel free to talk about that a little bit if you want to, Rianne. Yeah, so, um, so the Yes, we can kind of f- was formulated out of Yes, we can is in the um French saying, um, yeah. which is something that Derry Long has run for the last kind of 12 13 years, which was right. a pre MIPIM event. Um, mm-hmm beginning of March each year. Um, and he had like kind of two, 300 people plus. Yeah. Um, and then 
it was hugely successful. And I always looked at, looked up to Derry over the years, like through my. I've, I mean, I've only been in the networking industry, if you like, for five years. Yeah. So I'm I'm a relatively newbie to, to yeah, any yeah. of this side of things. And I then, mean, to be fair, that's where we met. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. think it was the NC networking. It was, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. With um, I think Lee. Yes. Um, yeah, with Lee. Yeah. yeah a big um, shout out to Lee Lambert if you're listening. Yeah, over at um, I think it was the the Edge at Shoreditch. It was. That was a nice pub as well, actually. Yeah, at the upstairs. We didn't drink anything, though, listeners. We were very good yeah, and behaved tea, ourselves. Yeah, tea, tea and coffee. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's all. <laughs> Biscuits, maybe, if you were lucky. There was no karaoke after, right? There was nothing like that going on. <laughs> no, definitely not. No Spotify. Um, but, um, yeah, so I got involved with that. Derry kind of reached out to me um, a year ago and just said, look, Rianne, I kind of need some new blood. I'm kind of pumping through this event, and would you be interested in kind of getting involved and a bit of support and stuff? So... I did that on the Yes We Can pre-Mipping event. Um, And then we've just, we did then the UK Reef event in Leeds in May, um, which we had the support from those guys, which was like massively successful. Again, I think we sold out at 300 people and were looking to kind of take over a bigger area for next year. So we're doing a a late summer party on the 28th of September this year. Okay. Um, again, we've got sponsors for that. We're still looking for some more sponsors if people are interested. Uh, we've got tickets that are available for sale. Um, yeah. and all of the ticket sales, um, proceeds will go to PAX One, um, which is a, a very rare kind of like children's disease and one that, um, a personal friend of mine, Roy Parrish is, is quite heavily involved in. There's loads of stuff on there on the website, um, yeah. which is, which takes you through to that. Um, and then they'll be able to um, donate directly or buy a ticket to the event and things like that as well. So. Okay, so so great for professional development, which I know we'll get we'll get onto that in a little minute. Mm. Um, but also for a great cause, which is yeah, hugely great cause. Um, yeah. And it's children's charity at the end of the day. Um, and I think there's something like one in. 30 that are diagnosed with it in the UK or something like that it's it's a really quite a new um disease um and um like I say something that we've um we've wanted to kind of support as no fair enough that's brilliant so so yeah so we're doing that and um and then there'll be other events kind of um throughout the year that we'll we'll look to do okay Brilliant. So, so touching on the networking, how do, how do you think networking, especially for people that are, you know, looking to progress their career within facilities management or the built environment or anything like that, how, how do you think those kind of events can benefit them? Um, I think um, I think people need to perhaps take, take off this blinkered look. Um, whenever I mention networking to people, people and I had a a real life situation of this on Thursday with right. a potential client that I met with yeah. um that I sat and um I said oh well yeah well why don't you come to some networking events with me and he was like no no I was like why not he was like no it's that clicky stuff in it where like people just like kind of meet up and then like chat and it's a bit hooray Henry and it's a bit like yeah. awkward and I was like what networking events have you been to? It does terrify some people, though. And it, it does. And, it does. and, yeah. and this guy is, like, kind of a business owner, and he's had his own business for the last 12 years, and mm. he's he's kind of a similar age to me. Yeah. So he's not, like, kind of old hat or not 
like really really young um yeah. so he's and he was just like no I, I don't that doesn't interest me at all and I'm like right where do you get your new business from and he was like we'll kind of repeat or they've got one particular contract and I was like okay so what if that one particular contract just disappears tomorrow yes. I mean we've all heard of like some of the big people kind of going out there and yeah, yeah. you just think it's not a dead dead set environment out there no um and some of these clients that he was mentioning I was like thinking then just because they seem like a big beast that it doesn't mean that they're they're secure and stable and no. and well, I said there was a very big one not that long ago that yeah. we all know about we won't we won't mention no it. no and there's been two in literally six months yeah. um and I and I just said I said, look, I said, it's about kind of developing your network and your connections. Mm. Um, and some people find it quite natural and some yeah. people find it quite awkward. And some people think that networking is walk in a room, there's my business card, do you yeah. need IT support? Do you need the yeah, asbestos yeah, yeah. survey? Do you need yeah. cleaning services? No, okay, see you later. And and, yeah. and it's, it's such, it's so kind of short-sighted in that approach i think it's getting to know people i think you know and, and people that operate in different environments that could potentially help you at some point in the future if if they want your help you know it's it's very i've met some really interesting people yeah um, and you don't always meet people through networking that you're necessarily going to do business with exactly. but you might meet somebody through networking that you're going to get your next job off or exactly. you might get a referral off yeah. down the line or you might make a friendship out of or exactly. whatever it might be so i think it's about kind of yes okay they they especially for people that are in a business development role and that yeah. is this and they're there because they need to go get work and get commission ultimately if that if that's the kind of salary structure that they're on but I think that people that go in with that approach are less likely to get work than people that are going to go in and build the relationships with those people. Yeah. And I think it's very much about consistency as well. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think you need to, you cannot, I mean, I, when I was Oracle, they were like, oh, you've been to that um, networking event, What? who did you meet, what work are you going to get from it? And it was like, no, it doesn't work like that. You yeah, don't yeah, walk yeah. into a room, meet somebody once, no. And then, oh, there you go. Don't yeah. get me wrong. There's a sometimes, 50 grand order. See you later. Sometimes yeah. It, it, yeah. it can work like that. But yeah. 75 to 80% of the time, that that's not how it is. It's about developing the relationship, meeting people, yeah. and then learning about what they do, who they work with, what who, who they need. Mm. And I think ultimately networking it is a little bit um, kind of cliche and there is some kind of networking organisations that say it, but it is. It's give us gain. Yeah. Oh, so no, it if, is, you, yeah. if you kind of go out there the more and, and you say, right, okay, oh, oh, you need to speak to such and such or you need to do that, you're more likely to get something out of it than you are than, oh, right, what, what clients can you introduce me to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think sometimes, especially when you run your own networking events, which I've kind of done in the past, is um, you kind of go in there and half the time you don't even tell people what you do. No. And then at the end of the day, go, so what? I mean, yeah, a lot yeah, of people yeah. know what I do because of LinkedIn and things like that. But yeah. people will go, 
oh, but you've not told us what I what you do. And I'm like, oh, right, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then you kind of give it a business card because that comes as a secondary. Yeah, I think it's quite a social thing, to be fair. I mean, I've met a lot of friends, the, mm. the people that, well, you're a friend. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like a lot yeah. of people that are now friends through that those kind of events. And, you know, from a career perspective as well, you know, especially across FM and other environments, it can open up opportunities if you meet the right person and you're wanting to move into a certain role. So th- there's lots of benefits to it. Um, 100%. But I can't, I can't, I do understand as well why it's scary for some people, you know, because it's like, it's like, um, what's that, speed dating? You know, I think yeah, people have that view of it, don't they? You th- know? There is. And, and yeah, and that was what somebody actually, the, the same person that I mentioned a moment ago, that's what they said. It was, oh, it's like speed dating. And I was like, well, it depends which event you go to. But um, well, that's the, true. Yeah, the, yeah. there can be events like that. And that works for some people where some people are kind of like, I don't know, data driven or um, they just need that kind of process. They go mm. in, the, the speed dating kind of thing. It's like, yeah, talk about work, move on, talk about work. Where you've got to kind of make general conversation with people, yeah. people then would think, I don't know what to talk to them about. I don't know what to, what, yeah. what am I going to say or what am I going to do? And yeah. I went to a networking event in Manchester a few weeks ago and um, I've never seen this happen before. And it was one that I'd been to that I'd never been to before. Yeah. And it was a kind of summer barbecue, so they put kind of a bit of a fun spin on it anyway. Yeah, yeah, a bit um, of a yeah. But it was um, basically they had this app, and I can't remember what it was, but you kind of went on it and you like pressed the button, it spun a question, and it 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 came up with a question: um, What was your favourite um, film growing up, or what was the first book you? It was they were like icebreaker questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all of a sudden, it opened up a conversation that if me and you were stood there and we'd never met each other before, would I say, around to you, go on, Matt, what's your, what's your favourite book? That's, that's very common. <laughs> you, you just wouldn't do it, would you? Yeah, you'd yeah, be yeah. like, you kind of stood there and go, and then you'd look around the room and think, oh, who do I know? Who can I go and speak to? But it yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. you stood there and it made you engage in conversation and it then opened up a dialogue that perhaps you would never have... It's quite clever, actually. Yeah. I quite it like was. the idea of that. Yeah. I, do. I really do. I really, really it do. Was, it was quite funny. It was, um, and then kind of the back conversations that came out of that was quite interesting. So, yeah, yeah it Learned was some good. interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's your favourite film? No, I don't need to know that. <laughs> but yeah there's there's loads of um those type of things so there's different networking for different people but it's those type of conversations that build relationships isn't it 100 percent, definitely you know like because you want you you want to get to know people don't you because we 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 all want that i think that human connection whether it's work personal whatever you you know that's kind Mm. of how how we're geared, I suppose. It's human nature, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, just different people have different personality types. Some people find it harder than others. So I think that kind of scenario, especially for the people, because I don't struggle with that. I'm a gobshite. You know. <laughs> Sorry, I swore. Um, You know, but for me, I don't struggle with it. I, I'll yap to anybody. Yeah, know. yeah. Um, but I know other people struggle with it. You know, they find Well, that's it hard, what I mean, so. and, and that was why I, I kind of found it quite... Yeah, it was quite a unique kind of experience for me, but it was quite yeah. quite fun, and it was like, okay, yeah, that's quite a good way of kind of yeah, 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 uh, yeah. breaking the ice with people, and uh, especially no, no. if you haven't got things to talk about or whatever. You, so, I too, right, um, too right, yeah. and it was good. But. Okay, cool. All right, so going back to your asbestos days, mm. um, 
especially for the listeners that are, you know, starting their career in facilities management or the built environment, things like that. You know, what 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 tips or what things should people look out for in relation to asbestos when they're surveying a building? You know, things like that. You know, let's get a little bit exciting with health and safety, shall we, Rianne? Yeah. <laughs> Can you do those two words go together? We'll, we'll, um, we'll make it exciting. <laughs> we'll make it exciting. Um, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I mean, people still think that asbestos is an old man's kind of thing and that it's not relevant anymore and that there's, um, oh, yeah, it was back in the day and that type of thing. Um, The reality is that any building built before 2000 Mm. has potentially got, um, uh, it has asbestos in it. Well, it was the wonder material, wasn't it, for 60, so, 60 years or something? So, oh, it? thousands, yeah, thousands more than that. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, um, it, it was it was used and people just think that it, it's not... And unless you've demolished, removed and disposed of every single building yeah. um, built before 2000 across the, the UK, then yes, there is still a major asbestos problem. Wow. Um, and there's lots of people out there advocating for um, kind of national registers. Um, mm. I mean, Yukna, um, which um, the guys over there are, are dealing with, Mavis Nye has been a massive advocate for the asbestos industry and the prevention of um, accidental exposure. Yep. Um, there's so many advocates out there um, that are looking to kind of promote and um, ensure the safety of people moving forward because I think there's such a lack of education um, because people do think that it's such a, an old hat type um problem yeah um that it become it, it gets to the the 11th hour on many occasions i mean um the amount of times that i would get a phone call on a friday afternoon from a, a main contractor from an electrician from a m&e contractor from a fit out company oh uh, we need an asbestos survey doing a refurb survey okay yeah, yeah what are you doing oh we're ripping out like 12 story office building in central london okay when do you start oh start on monday yeah uh, Hang on a minute. Yeah. How have you got an all the way through probably what fifty million pound plus yeah. project? Yeah. How have you managed to get from planning architect stage to yeah. starting on Monday of a fifty million pound project without without anybody out. saying, "Oh, actually, where who, who's got the asbestos survey? Where's the asbestos register?" Yeah. Um, and and people just kind of fail to 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 put that into some kind of yeah. checklist or some kind of process, um, and yeah. it happens. I'd say daily. Wow. I would say, more, and if you were to if you were to ask every other asbestos surveying company in the yeah. UK, how many calls a week do you get from somebody saying, "I need an R and D survey. We're starting works tomorrow or Monday"? Yeah, I bet every single one of you could say, "I get one a week." Wow, and how likely of those surveys would it be that you would find asbestos in? If it's built before two thousand, hundred percent. Not hundred yeah. percent because later on, towards the kind of like. Um, kind of 90s, 99, you're going to have um, perhaps very little and perhaps during the life cycle of that building, it's going to have been refurbed 10, 20 years ago and yeah. the asbestos likely might have been removed, might have been kind of gutted years ago and then refitted so all the asbestos has been removed. But yeah. 
you, you don't know. You, you don't know unless the survey has been completed, whether it is still there or not. And right. that is always been a huge kind of bugbear shock, yeah. unfounded belief that it's like, how can the construction industry go all the way through such a, a rigorous process of planning, architects, design, yeah. build, all the SO16 for all of those yeah, F yeah, forms, yeah. this form, that form, council, yeah. and all, how can it get all the way to that end process and, and, and literally just not be and that's not picked up? And it, it just, it, it, yeah, astounds me how that can still go on. And that still happens now. Yeah. And we're in like, well, no, <laughs> no. I know, the thing is, I find that quite surprised, especially given, you know, how, you know, the health and safety executive view aspects, you know, I mean, I mean, probably oversharing a little bit, but I'm very conscious about what I lost. My father died of asbestosis when he was 41. Right. Um, and was that through him working within the industry? Or? No, no, he, he worked, he actually worked in Nigeria ripping out old canal boats. Right. Which is where they think he got it. Yeah. Um, but it's blue asbestos, I believe, which yeah. is one of the worst ones, I think. Yeah, I mean, mm. uh, that's a, a, another kind of fallacy in the sense that people say, oh, well, yeah, it's uh, it's white asbestos, it's not that. Yeah, because there's not, brown, red, blue, there's, there's like different there's types. Yeah, it's it? white, brown and blue and then everything in between. But people kind of say, oh, well, if it's blue, it's worse than it is if it's white. But it, at the end of the day, one asbestos fibre can potentially kill you. So yeah. if you want to take the risk of whether you put your hand in a blue box or a white box then yeah it's, yeah it's, it's irrelevant it's the, the yes okay the the um the um it, it's higher risk but it's um in reality it's it's all dangerous it's, all dangerous. it's as simple as that it's as simple as that if yeah. you're removing a garage roof off your um off your garage in your nan's garden or whether you're removing um, a load of cement out of a like twenty hectare school. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, the the point is, it's asbestos, and it can. Yeah. So it's about. Um, like I say, there's lots of um, like Yukna and um, Mavis Nye and that who are all kind of advocating for this kind of a national register. And I think there was a, a recent thing where people turned around and said, "Oh." Well, the government turned around and said, right, we're going to remove all of asbestos from public buildings in the next 40 years. And it's like, well, that's a, a big statement to make. But it's because it was in everything. I mean, it was literally... Yeah, I mean, yeah. For those I that think, don't know, it was in, every, it was in the Brit Land, so in the cars, it's in it over, everywhere. So people say to me, oh, it's just in cement and in um, in floor tiles, isn't it? I'm like, it's in over 5,000 building products. Yeah, yeah. Um, And if you were to remove... I mean, one of the statistics, and this is probably a little bit outdated now, but was that there was... Because um, people say to me, oh... There's not much of it about now, is there? Yeah. And I went, mm, there's 250 million tonnes of asbestos just in London. Yeah, wow. And that's only if you demolish the buildings and, and you know about it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, and that's probably a, a, quite an old statistic that's probably uh, quite outdated now. So it's if still you wild was, to think about though, Rianne. Yeah, and there's, I think there's 22,000 schools nationally that have got asbestos in them. Well, and quite a few now with a concrete problem by the sounds well, of it. So I'm yeah, guessing your in, that, that industry is now quite busy. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's going to dovetail, obviously, because of the concrete in, um, problem that they've got. Obviously, if anything's encased in asbestos, then yeah. you've got 
two elements of a problem there. Yeah, massively. recipe for disaster. So yeah, so it's all right. People going, oh, all you need to go in and do um, the the survey on the the concrete. Well, actually, it's in case an asbestos. So yeah. are, are you gonna? We need to do an asbestos survey before you do that. And yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's that kind of knock on effect, and and right. it's just yeah, it's been. It'll be quite challenging. I think it'll just be another factor in. Well, I I think there'll be something else afterwards. I think, I mean, there was silica um, uh, not so long ago. Um, There was talks historically about, like, with fiberglass and things like that. You'll always have something which, um, through kind of scientific testing and um, trials and things like that, that you're always going to get something that's going to... Find out 20, 30 years later that it's actually killing us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, But uh, the the, the monumental fact is that we know about asbestos. We've known about asbestos for hundreds of years Mm. um, and it, it still just fathoms me on how little people take it seriously. I know. There are a lot of companies out there that do take it massively seriously. Yeah. Don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah, yeah, without doubt. Um, and, but there are still some big companies out there that just still think, and I think that is a, a lack of education. Yeah. I think that it's been massively diluted um, because you've got kind of like um, next-gen people coming up through the ranks mm. that I don't think have perhaps got the... They've got the textbook knowledge, but I don't think they've got the on-site or the kind of mentorship experience yeah. by learning from people that have been doing. And I don't just mean in the industry, in the asbestos industry, I mean construction as a whole, yeah, um, and built environment as a whole, and FM and all, all of the hard and soft set, all of those services. I think there is. Um, a potentiality of a, a massive dilution in the skill set because wow. of a lot of textbook and online learning. Obviously, COVID we had where people were kind of remote learning and yeah. just learning from kind of. Um, but we it, we all know that if you go out and do a job, you're more likely to learn more about doing that job if you're going out with somebody that's done that job than you are if you yeah. just read a book and it's said... It's that practical hands-on knowledge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and I, I'm a firm believer in that and I, th- I think that um, we need to make sure that the kind of generations do get that kind of mentorship and get that on-site hands-on experience from people that have been there and done it as opposed yeah. to just kind of learning through university or an educational platform. Yeah. Would, you, would you say that it's sort of seen as a, like a, I don't know if it's the right terminology, but is it sometimes seen as a grudge purchase by certain parts of industry, do you think? What, asbestos? Like asbestos surveys yeah. and getting it. Yeah, of course, of course it is. I mean, and, and just the a, amount. It's an added cost. What, what do we yeah, have to do that for? And yeah, the amount yeah, of times yeah. that I've heard, oh, um, licensed to print money, money for old rope, um just so many different like kind of um sayings over the year where people go oh yeah it doesn't really matter does it i'll hold my breath while i'm uh, taking the wall down and just just silly comments and and you just think actually if if that's the the approach that you want to but then there's people out there that have been massively fined by it and those type of people out there will be like i won't be taking it i think i think if anybody watches somebody die from that yeah, they, they would have a very. It is horrific, horrific. Yeah, I think if yeah. you've got an own personal experience from um, somebody that's kind of had mesothelioma or died mm. of asbestosis or anything like that, yeah. um, 
And then but if you look at it from a contractual perspective, if you look yeah. at it and say, well, hang on a minute, that by not doing this at the front end, you then end up delaying that project by 12 weeks. Yeah. I dread on a like 50 million pound contract, I dread to think what like... It's a big delay, big cost. Big, to that. big yeah. cost associated with that. Yeah. Um, and who's paying like the downtime on on that, and who? And then this is where you see the knock on effect on like like labour and things like that, and yeah. things not being able to be done on time. And um, so I just think there still needs to be a massive shift yeah. um, in the industry with regards to it being taken for serious. And I, it's the same with um, with your trades. Mm. Um, I mean everybody's job that foreseeably could bring them into contact with asbestos needs to legally have asbestos awareness training. Yes, yes, very much so. So, your cleaners, your security guys, your electricians, everybody, your plumbers, your sparkies, your IT people, your HVAC people, all of these people are going, unless they're going into buildings that are built before 2000, uh, after 2000. They should be able to recognise the They need to have asbestos awareness training because if they walk into a building and... I don't know, push a ceiling tile up or something like that because they need to like break a cable through or something and then they disturb it. You've got a big problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I just, I would, I'd like to say that it was a a lessening um, eventuality, um, but it's not. Right. And it's not. Um, Literally last week um, I heard of an incident where there was a huge, where a load of electrical contractors had gone in um, suspended ceiling, whipped it all down, put in a no- load of LED lighting and stuff, and no asbestos register was checked. Um, contaminated the school. The school had, had to be evacuated. And and this goes on all the time. Yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. and I just don't. I, I just I, I just don't understand how. Like I say, with all the policies, processes, and everything, all the health and safety, safe contract to construction line, Chaz, Chaz Gold. Yeah. Accurate, all of those. How it still happens. How it still happens. How people are still unable to kind of get all the way through that process and it still takes yeah. place. It just doesn't. There's, there's got to be something somewhere that's not. Yeah. To me, it's just a tick mark. <laughs> the get, thing is, you get to a certain stage in the projects and go, asbestos survey, and they yeah, go, yes or no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, human beings, we're funny, aren't we? We. Um, the old collective memory, have you, have you ever heard of that? The collective memory. So, you know, if enough time passes, as a society, we forget things. Yeah. You know, like war, for example. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. As, COVID. You know, yeah, COVID. <laughs> yeah. You know, things like that. As as as, as the, the trauma associated with it dwindles, we mm. forget it, and then we become lax and... That's why they could. That's why history repeats itself. Mm, basically, because to remind you, because we're stupid. We're all plonkers, basically. That's what it is. It's like the fire industry. Do you know what I mean? There's been like a massive, like kind Mm. of like transition on that. Yeah. And it's almost in like then the concrete. It's like, hang on a minute. Is what? What's the next thing? There was fire, then the concrete, and there has been asbestos historically. So then there'll be something else, something else, and then maybe asbestos again in five years' time because there'll be a massive. Cyclical, yeah. It's like there's something happens somewhere which has a knock-on effect, and then legislation. Enough people shout about it as well, and enough people advocate for for that cause, and it's uh, it's important that at least we do that. We do Mm. do that. I mean, we do that well as a nation. I think. Yeah, I think we do do that quite well. Yeah, Um, and we do try, don't we? But you're going to have things like that, you know. I mean, we've got an old 
nation as well you know like a lot of the stuff that we've used yeah you know they've, they've been using for thousands of years so there's always going to be something they find i don't think there's asbestos in any castles though is there or is there am i wrong have you been to a castle i have been to a castle i don't know where they must be yeah gotta be gotta be somewhere aren't there we'll have to, we'll have we to did find. a lighthouse recently oh really yeah in eastbourne yeah we did a lighthouse that had asbestos in it wow we've had motor cars yeah, car, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, cars. Um, so we've had like clients where they've got old classic cars where they want to take them a, abroad yeah. to race or to sell or whatever, and they have to have asbestos surveys done on them. Yeah. And then, yeah, because it's yeah. in the brake line, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, in the yeah, brake pads. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it was literally in everything. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't in a cup of tea. So, you know crayons, I mean? been in crayons. Yeah, um, dishcloths. Well, um, I mean, look how mental boards. we are. We used, we used to paint our babies' cribs with lead paint. I mean. Well, yeah. Cigarette filters as well. Yeah. Kent cigarettes. They, really? Yeah. So Kent cigarettes um, in the 60s confessed uh, that their um, their cigarettes were safer to smoke because they had an asbestos filter. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's double bubble, that one, isn't it? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed to give you cancer. Clearly. So, yeah, yeah. We're we're a funny species, Mm, aren't we? mm. You wouldn't see the chimpanzees doing this. No, no, they'd smell it off a mile away. They would do, they would do. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's absolutely great. So, listen, let's move on to um, becoming a liveryman and committee member um, at the Worshipful Company of Constructors. How how did that come about? It's a two-part question. How did that come about? And the second part of the question is, what does it entail? Okay, um, so I got introduced to the um, London liveries, if you like, um, mm. probably about, you lose track of time, don't you, because of COVID, yeah. it's like how long, uh, probably about three and a half years ago, something like that. Um, so um, Steve Herndall was a member of the Pattern Makers, right. um, and he and another um um, liveryman Keith Glenister invited me to um, some of the uh, the dinners and yeah. um, the events, and I just really enjoyed the tradition, um, the history, yeah. the formality of like the London liveries, and it just like I I, I just loved it. Yeah. Um, so I originally I looked to join the pattern makers, which is is quite. Um, dovetailed with the fm industry it's quite i I actually went to the pattern makers um pattern makers awards for young people in fm yeah yeah um with 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 with, um, a couple of ex-colleagues right okay yeah via 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 wayne young actually wayne young yeah yeah so yeah Yeah, yeah, i know wayne yeah so big shout out to you wayne he's coming on the show at some point yeah so wayne was um one of the very first events that i went to actually the pattern makers wayne actually got i think young um fm he did, Some yeah. Of the year or, yeah. or whatever it was. Sorry, Wayne, I don't know what the award was, but that was one of my very first events that I went to and I, I met Wayne there. Yeah. Um, and we got on famously and we, we still continue to kind of work together now. So, yeah. um, and I just enjoyed that um, that tradition, like I say, and the history of it. Um, and so... I looked to join the pattern makers, then kind of COVID hit and that all kind of got put on the back burner. And then in the meantime, I then formed kind of friendships, relationships, um, networking connections with a couple of people that were in the Worshipful Company of Constructors. Which is kind of your world as well. So, so, yeah. so when I kind of looked at it, I was like, actually, probably the construction side of things 
formulates better with me than than the FM industry. Yeah. Um, so so I ended up uh, becoming um, a, a freeman at the Worshipful Company of Constructors. Um, that was in December 2020. Yeah, I, I remember the post on LinkedIn. So, yeah. and then um, I, I, so I went and did that, and then I went and did the Freeman of the um, City of London. Yeah. Um, so I, I went on to to move on to that. So that sits outside the livery. That's you can have that without being part of a livery. Yeah. Um, but you can't become a um, a liveryman of a company without having freedom of the City of London. Yeah. Um, now, am I right in saying that that means that you can funnel your sheep? Through the city of London. I can walk my sheep over the bridge. Are you going to do it? No, I ain't got not? a sheep. <laughs> you could, someone will lend you some sheep. The, Someone's gonna, says, someone has to do it at some point. Yeah, I think, at the end, I think it's at the end of September. It gets booked up really, really quickly. And the yeah. last two years, I've not been able to, to manage to organise myself fast enough to to get on it so but it's supposed to be a really fantastic day so yeah so i joined that and i got quite heavily involved within the worship of company and constructors wow. um got onto a couple of the events and merchandise committee yeah. um ended up being on um like a media boost committee which was very much kind of like about the um getting new members in and things like that um so I then wanted to sit as a committee member, a head of committee. Um, yeah. You needed to become a liveryman. Um, right. So I ended up um, kind of like within a year going straight from freeman to to, to liveryman, wow. which is it's still a, an, it's an application process. You have to be proposed. It's not kind of a given. Yeah. Um, still an interview. It's a very formal process and what have you. Um, so yeah, so I, I did that literally within 18 months. I went from kind right. of Freeman, Freeman the city to Liveryman. Yeah. Um, and then I sit on a couple of the committees. Uh, that's where I was before I yeah. came today. So I've been, um, at the heads of committee meeting today. Um, yeah. and I, I just, yeah, I just live it. It's very inclusive. It's not, um, people think, oh, it's like the Masons or it's like a, uh, a, a funny handshake or it, it's yeah. not it's nothing like that no. and it's very much inclusive very diverse um it's designed to support different industries isn't it, it that's, is that's there's it scholarships is. there's um there's there's fellowship there there is mm. about kind of um developing and bringing new members in and like i mentioned earlier about kind of that skill set and that lack of skill set kind of yeah. coming up and through the ranks um this you've got people that have been in the industry for from 20 years to 50 years do you know yeah. what I mean and and they're all sharing those experiences Lots and, to learn from. and you yeah. sit and I I sit and I listen I mean I've just been sat with the, the clerk earlier on today um and I was just talking to him and I just I I'm just mesmerized because I'm just sitting there listening and just taking in stuff that he's saying yeah. and, and then you find yourself asking questions and yeah well, what did you do in there? And, and and then you talk to people, and they were like, "Oh, yeah, well, I I did this." And you just come across people that you would just never have yeah. met at a normal networking event or yeah. a, I, anything I, like that. It's just it's just an incredible group yeah. of people. They well, are amazing. When, when when I went to the the dinner, I, I thought it was quintessentially British. You know, just because there's the pageantry associated with it and things like that, which I just thought was, you know, that's that's us, that's our identity. I quite liked it. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Really cool. It is. It's very British, but yeah, 
it's becoming more diverse. Mm. It's becoming more inclusive. Um, and as a livery, that's where we want to kind of like, we push it. We want to, um, we're very much an advocate for like women in construction. Yep. So we've got um, that side of things. Um, at the end of the day, like 13% of women in construction, uh, sorry, jobs within construction are held by women. So it's yep. still a massive kind of um, lack of uh, repute- representation within the industry. Yep. Um, so it's growing though, isn't it? It yeah, it is growing because it's growing because of, 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 of groups like that and because yeah. of like UK Design and Build and people like Ronnie Scott and um, Carol Massey and Michaela Wayne. All of those people are massive advocates for women yeah. in construction and they are the driving force behind all of that. And right. they're, they're, they're pushing all of that. And, and it's some of it is um, kind of latched onto the, the liveries and we're driving it either through the liveries or we're driving it through individual um, kind of groups or projects yeah. or what have you. So right. it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's real. I was, I've never been a, I might get shot for saying this, an advocate for women in things because yeah. I, I think that people should just be recognized and be good for what it is that you do. Yeah. Um, regardless of sex, gender, race, ethnicity, whatever it might be, I just think mm-hmm. that if you are the right person for that job and you do, you work hard and you do that, then, then you should be recognized for it. Yeah, yeah. But if I could um, sit in the Worshipful Company of Constructors or if I can sit on a, a judging panel of the women in construction on UK Design and Build um, and basically inspire one of the pers- one of the female yeah. to take that role because she's seen something that that group has done or I've yeah. said or whatever then that's what I kind of yeah. get a, a, a buzz from that that's that's the right thing for that's me good. that's good though isn't it you know I, I mean I think I think I think as well when you're in those positions you know if, if we're, we're, it's all about representation isn't it so if they see you there they automatically think well if she's done it then I can do it too exactly so, yeah, exactly yeah. and I and I think that's that's for me it's not like saying oh get rid of all the the the, the fuddy-duddy yeah. men and and the women need to take over the world that's not what it's about it's about actually empowering people that probably feel like like they weren't able to apply for that job or yeah. kind of stand for that committee yeah. um position or whatever it might be yeah, because course, yeah. they were a woman of a certain age or, or what it gives, gives them confidence doesn't exactly it? Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. to say well actually yeah i, I could do that. I could do that. Yeah. yeah, and that's more what for me why I've kind of like become more involved on on okay. that side of things. Not because I think oh well, yeah. I just think everybody should be given a job because of the they are the right person for the yeah, job. Yeah, exactly, right person for the job. Yeah, I completely agree. I yeah, completely agree. Okay, Rianne, tell us tell us a little bit about you then. We'll move away from work. Tell us a little bit about <laughs> what 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 gives you the greatest satisfaction when you're out and about in your personal life or your professional life you know what gets you going um i think what i've done as a business really it's about connecting people it's about um spotting opportunities for other people and and people must say really but that's other people but yeah i do i i I literally i'm sitting here talking to people or um i've been with a constructor this afternoon like sat and talking to a few people that I haven't spoken to for a while or at all and it's like oh actually well you'd be really good to speak to that person and and that's what I enjoy it's about putting two kind of businesses together that I think that could do work together Mm. and um 
yeah kind of so that's that's what I enjoy doing um I enjoy the the event side of things and the organization yeah. of, of that um so that's always a good a good thing for me so well, what about outside of work or are you just never outside of work is it <laughs> yeah what do I do outside of work I like walking so I, I do a lot of walking um kind of like uh Yorkshire, Malvern, yeah. Matlock Bath, kind yeah. of bit northern, yeah, bit more yeah, northern, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yorkshire Dales. So I enjoy the walking. Yeah. Um, I've got a, a Labrador, golden Labrador that I take out for poochie lovely. walk. So yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's lovely. Um, and yeah, that apart from that, it is work, kids, um, yeah. and walking. I, I like how you don't enjoy the kids, Rihanna. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fifteen and twelve, two boys. Yeah, God no. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I took it. Well, we went to Turkey for a week, and uh, I, I came back alive, and they came back alive. So it was all good. That's always good. So, yeah, if everyone's yeah. back alive, you're in a good position. Yeah, yeah. And there was, there was, um, yeah. We was all sharing, literally, kind of one room with one bedroom. So it was, it was good for that yeah, amount. Nobody's of time dead. To be. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but now I, I love my boys. They, um, they're, they're fantastic. I'm yeah. massively into their sports and things. Certainly, yeah. my eldest. Um, so my weekends are taken up when I've got them pretty much yeah. football Saturday because my oldest is in a, an academy. Um, oh, really? Which one? So he's in Kettering Academy. Right, okay. Um, so, and he's like kind of been to Chelsea camp and things like that. So he's quite he's quite Ooh. into his football and he's is going it? on a scholarship um, next year when he finishes school. Right. Um, so, yeah, so he's, he's more into that. So my Saturdays are Kettering Academy uh, football then Sunday my youngest plays football and then yeah. in the afternoon Frank plays for a grassroots team as well so so it's so mum's taxi basically then yeah yeah, yeah oh. pretty much and then mum can you pick me up from here can you drop me here can you do this so yeah, I, get, I get the same stuff I yeah. get the same stuff that's, yeah. that's my what life. we do as parents work, though isn't yeah. it it's work, why work and drive the kids somewhere yeah, yeah. give them money as well yeah, and yeah. then just when I speak Mom, can to, you put five quid on my card? Yeah, Mom, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I speak to her, I just get, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but no, that's um, that's pretty much um, they they they're great. They they love that side of things. And my youngest is massively into Lego and stuff. So he's the oh, more cool. creative one. So he's done like um, the Titanic and has he really? Yeah, he's building the Eiffel Tower at the moment. He's done the Colosseum. He's done the Millennium Falcon. Bloody hell! So yeah, that's and not he's bad. twelve. I mean, he did the what was the fit? I think he did the uh, Titanic when he was ten. Ten. Yeah, nine and a half thousand pieces. Wow. I'd be bored after about nine pieces. Yeah, must, I was going to say, it must be pissed. They sit, they sit there for hours. Really? And he would literally like have his like phone, like what, have something on the telly, and he would literally have the instruction manual there, and he would just be like, he know. could just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So an incredible skill to have. So yeah. I think that's going to be something exciting to for To be fair, people get forward. obsessed with Lego. There's a job there somewhere, isn't there, mm, to be honest? Mm. You know, it'll probably make millions building them in central London or something. Yeah, like I know, exactly. You know? And I'd enjoy doing it as well. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Do what you love. Yeah, you know? that's where I love. couldn't think of anything worse. Like I say, I get bored after putting nine bits together. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. <laughs> and to be fair, I just don't like Lego. They're horrible to stand on, to be fair, with no shoes on. Yeah. There's no pain quite like that, is No, there, no, exactly. I bet that happens a lot in your house. So, no, no, because it's all confined to a dining room table yeah. like he just has it there and he's as he only opens one bag at a time to to do the bits that he needs to do so yeah right okay he loves it well that brings us to the end of the podcast Rian. thank okay. you very much have you enjoyed it i have yes been a yeah. new experience have you found new it one interesting 
Yeah, I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's been a very yeah. good episode. All right, guys. Well, that is the end of Where Many Ats, episode 26. Thank you very much for tuning in. And thank you to my lovely guest, Rianne, for joining us today and teaching us lots of stuff about the built environment. Thank it's been great. Thank you. Thank bye you. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye.